Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Lacrosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the Lacrosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. My name is Tom McDonough. Most people around town, however, refer to me as the big fellow. I'm a lieutenant in the Lacrosse Police Department. Have been going on nine years. Started as a patrolman back in 1903. Mostly sit behind a desk now, but my younger days, I could tell you some stories about this rowdy little river town. When I started walking the beat, this town was chock full of drunks and loose women. Not like today. Back then, rivermen would float into town, get their pay, and go looking for three things. Whiskey, cards, and women. Lacrosse had an ample supply of all three. As patrolmen, we were told that we could not be idle while on duty, that we must be alert for prostitutes, gamblers, and criminals. (laughs) Well, no one could accuse me of being idle. In 1911, a dirty tramp named Samuel Hack shot a bartender in the head at the Burlington Hotel on North 2nd Street. When Wolfie and me caught up with that hack fella on the levee, there was a whole bunch of gawkers standing about, so there was no way we could have just shot him. But Wolfie slipped around his flank. I stood there like the rock of Gibraltar, twirling my club and telling Hack he'd best surrender or I'd crack his skull for him. I started towards him, and you know what that rat did? He drew on me. I went in swinging. Three times he pulled the trigger, and each time I heard it go click. He's lucky Wolfie got to him first and tackled him to the ground, or else I would have killed the bastard. After he's down, I took a gander at his pistol. Turns out the rest of the bullets were no good. Wouldn't fire. Otherwise, it would have been curtains for me. <laughs> what a scrap. Wolfie and me laughed about it as we dragged Hack off to the 4th Street pokey. <laughs> looking at that gun barrel was like looking at my own grave. Another time, though, I wasn't so lucky. In 1916, I was shot by a lunatic who had been hiding in the loft of a barn. His name was Fred Bouch. He'd been fighting with his old lady, and the neighbors called it in. I climbed up the ladder to talk to him, and he shot me with a 22 rifle. A bullet glanced off my jaw and went into my chest. I reared out of there, spitting up blood. Boys in blue surrounded the place, and a gunfight broke out. Eventually, Bouch got shot in the leg with a riot gun, and that took the fight out of him. Boys grabbed him and hauled him downtown. He was later committed to the Mendota Looney Bin down in Madison. That bullet lodged near my left lung. It's still there, as a matter of fact. It took a bit of the wind out of my sails. 
one of the reasons I write a desk now. But being shot, believe it or not, wasn't the one that sticks out most in my memory. <laughs> it was a hot, humid night in August of 1915, and I was on patrol walking along 3rd Street. Mrs. Hamilton come up and asked if I'd go in a Stanton saloon and fetch her husband, Tom, on account of him being drunk. You know, in those days, it wasn't proper for a lady to go into a bar, at least through the front door. Well, I walked in the saloon, and big old Tom Hamilton is stewed. Said he wasn't going anywhere. He told that thick horse trader he was going to accompany me outside or there was going to be trouble. Tom Hamilton then raised his massive meat hooks and sucker punched me. He rung my bell, but I returned the favor with a right hook to the jaw. And that led to one of the biggest brawls in lacrosse history. Those two heavyweights scrapped for about half an hour. By the time the other patrolman got there, there was glass and busted chairs everywhere. I was all cut up, bruised, and my uniform was in tatters. But I'll tell you, Big Tom Hamilton was face down and didn't look too good either. It took six of us to carry that lummox to jail. But he learned. <laughs> Don't mess with the big fellow. Officer Tom McDonough was a walking contradiction. A 1915 Lacrosse Tribune editorial praising McDonough cited his courage, attentiveness to duty, and social morality. Yet a number of times he would face reprimand or demotion for his excessive use of force. In 1911, he was brought before the Fire and Police Commission Board on charges he had kicked and beaten a man while arresting him for public intoxication. In 1915, he and another officer were accused by the Trades and Labor Council, a union organization, of taking sides and inciting violence during a dispute at the rubber mills. Later that year, he was called up on the charge of, quote, behavior unbecoming of a police officer for using excessive force on a tramp in the city's north side railroad yards. The complaint was filed by a grocer who claimed to have witnessed McDonough, quote, brutally assault, beat, and kick the vagrant. Despite the controversy, Thomas Bigfellow McDonough left an indelible mark on the history of lacrosse. He died on November 28, 1938, still serving as a policeman at the age of 68. And now I'd like to welcome in Barry McKnight, the Programming and Community Engagement Coordinator at the Lacrosse Public Library and former member of the Archive staff who did some of the initial research for this story. Ever since becoming a part of the Dark Lacrosse Project, I have been fascinated by the history of the Lacrosse Police Department, in particular the period from the lumber boom up in the later 1800s until World War I and the Reform Movement. Lacrosse, for much of its life, was a pretty rough town with a high number of transient single men. The police were trained on the job, and it often took a special kind of man to navigate the bars, brothels, and alleys of the city. Keeping order often meant physical confrontations with little safety equipment or communication with other officers. Out of all of the tough police officers that have walked the streets of lacrosse, few cast as long of a shadow as Thomas Bigfellow McDonough. An enormous man known for his Herculean strength and courage, McDonough served lacrosse as a member of the police department for 35 years. Born in Watertown, Wisconsin in 1870, McDonough became a patrolman in 1903. Among his peers in the city at large, McDonough quickly earned a reputation as a tough and fearless lawman. Those early years of his service took place in a lacrosse that was still a rough-and-tumble river town. 
Violence, often associated with drinking, was fairly commonplace. A patrolman had to collar drunks, break up fights, and keep the peace. Rule number 17 of the Rules of Government of the Police Force of the City of La Crosse stated, quote, Officers cannot be idle while on duty. They must be alert for prostitutes and other gamblers and criminals, unquote. A police officer had to be vigorous in enforcing the peace and knowing the people and habits on their beat. McDonough served during a period when public attitudes about policing and violence were changing. An editorial in La Crosse Tribune, the day after the incident with the tramp mentioned in the story, defended McDonough's actions, acknowledging that changed in opinion. While admitting that he was a big man with a temper to match, it argued he was also someone who was quick to help an unfortunate. Citing his bravery in the face of gunfire, it claimed courage, attentiveness to duty, and social morality characterized McDonough. Thomas McDonough rose to the rank of sergeant, lost it, and gained it again before becoming a lieutenant in 1929. His career, ending with his death in 1938 at the age of 68, illustrates the challenges and changing nature of police work in La Crosse in the early decades of the 20th century. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.